The reading this week is Genesis chapter 27, verses 1 to 45. When Isaac was old, and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son. Here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man, and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your weapons, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like, and bring it to me to eat, so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat, so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats, so that I can prepare some tasty food for your father, just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat, so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, But my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I'm a man with smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him, and would bring down a curse on myself, rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, My son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say, go and get them for me. So he went and got them, and brought them to his mother, and she prepared some tasty food, just the way his father liked it. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with the goat skins. Then she handed to her son Jacob the tasty food and the bread she had made. He went to his father and said, My father! Yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game, so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, How did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God gave me success, he replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near, so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him, and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he blessed him. Are you really my son Esau? he asked. I am, he replied. Then he said, My son, bring me some of your game to eat, so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him, and he ate, and he brought some wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of heaven's dew 
and of earth's richness, an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you, and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed, and those who bless you be blessed. After Isaac finished blessing him, and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, My father, sit up and eat some of my game, so that you may give me your blessing. His father Isaac asked him, Who are you? I am your son, he answered, your firstborn, Esau. Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came, and I blessed him, and indeed he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, me too, my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Esau said, Isn't he rightly named Jacob? He has deceived me these two times. He took my birthright, and now he's taken my blessing. Then he asked, Haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Isaac answered Esau, I have made him lord over you, and have made all his relatives his servants, and I have sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. Then Esau wept aloud. His father Isaac answered him, Your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness, away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by the sword, and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from off your neck. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. When Rebekah was told what her older son Esau had said, she sent for her younger son Jacob and said to him, Your brother Esau is consoling himself with the thought of killing you. Now then, my son, do what I say. Flee at once to my brother Laban in Haran. Stay with him for a while until your brother's fury subsides. When your brother is no longer angry with you and forgets what you did to him, I'll send word for you to come back from there. Why should I lose both of you in one day? Good morning. Uh, my name's Nick. I'm one of the ministers here at Christchurch Mayfair. Uh, let's pray as we begin. Father, these stories in Genesis are so rich. They have so much to teach us, and yet they can seem pretty obscure to us on the surface. Lord, please open our eyes. Um, teach us now, we pray. Convict us. Show us where we're going wrong. Amen. Um, there's a book I heard of this week called uh, A View from the Zoo. Great title. Um, and in it, an ex-zookeeper um, retells a bunch of stories from his life. And in one of these stories, he tells of a friend of his who decided to welcome a raccoon into her home as a pet. She called it Bandit. What could possibly go wrong? 
Well, when his friend did this, the, the zookeeper sat her down and just explained to her, you do realize that uh, around 24 months old, raccoons undergo a glandular change that makes them extremely unpredictable and violent, and they tend to attack their owners. And this lady kind of smiled politely and listened, and then said, don't worry, that will never happen to me. Bandit would never hurt me, she said. Sure enough, about three months later, uh, the zookeeper found out she was undergoing uh, extreme plastic surgery for facial lacerations because Bandit had one day turned around and attacked her. You would have thought the name would have given it away, right? And you hear that and you think, that's so stupid. Such an obvious mistake to make. Uh, but in our passage today, we're going to see how easy it is for us to make that same mistake with sin. See, in chapter 27, we, we see this family squabble. But each of the members of this family is, is welcoming sin into their lives in a different way. They're each disobeying God in a different way. And by the end of the chapter, that sin is going to devastate them. It's going to leave the family in tatters. Each of these characters, and they come to realize this key truth. And it's the key truth for us this morning too. Disobeying God does damage us. Disobeying God does damage us. The, 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 the big lie of temptation, whoever you are really, the big lie of temptation, like that lady in the story, is to believe it won't hurt me. It's fine. I've got it under control. And so this chapter comes to us, I suppose, a bit like that zookeeper. To warn us, to say, yeah, okay, disobeying God. I don't know what area of your life you're tempted to disobey God. It, it might look harmless. You might think you've got it under control. But it does damage us. It's the big thing we're going to see. And before we dive in, I just want to say that for those of us that are listening that would call ourselves Christians, you, you, you're probably aware that the Bible is very clear that if you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, then the, the eternal punishment for your sins is all taken by Jesus Christ on the cross so that we can be completely and freely forgiven. That's absolutely true. But God does allow us to face the consequences of our sin here and now going to see for this family that those consequences of disobeying God can be devastating. So the same thing remains true for us. We do need to hear this this morning. Disobeying God does damage us. We're going to look at uh, each uh, three, three of the main characters, um, uh, Isaac, J uh, Rebecca, and Jacob. And we're going to see that each of those three characters um, welcomes sin into their life in a slightly different way that we're tempted to do as well. So Isaac, uh, he focuses on what feels good. Rebecca, she thinks sin is okay if it's in a good cause. And Jacob thinks sin's okay so long as I don't get caught. Let's dive in then with, with Isaac. Isaac welcomes sin into his life by, by focusing on what feels good. Check out verses one uh, to four with me. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for his elder son Esau and said to him, my son. 
Here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I'm now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. So here at the beginning of the story, Isaac um, is old and it comes time to pass the blessing on to one of his sons. If you've been with us in the last few weeks, you'll know that that blessing involves these mega promises that God made to Abraham to bless this family and through this family to bless the whole world. comes time to pass those promises on to one of his sons. And here Isaac decides to pass it on to his favorite son, big hairy hunter Esau. Now, if you were here with us a couple of weeks ago in chapter 25, you might be thinking, Isaac, what are you doing? See, in chapter 25, God made it very, very clear that the promise, this promised blessing was to go to the younger son, to Jacob. It also made it very, very clear that Esau, the elder son, is an idiot. So why? Why would Isaac here be organizing this sort of secret ceremony to try and pass the blessing on to Esau? Why would you do that, Isaac? Well, the clue is in verse 4. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Isaac here is thinking with his stomach. Esau makes tasty food. In fact, that phrase, tasty food, it comes up again and again and again through the chapter. So you see it in verse 7, and you see it in verse 9, and you see it in verse 14, and verse 17, and verse 31. Six times in total in this chapter. Keeps talking about Isaac wanting the tasty food. Isaac is dominated by his appetite for the tasty food. That's a bit of a pattern here. Chapter 25, we saw that Esau was willing to give up his eternal blessing for uh, a bowl of soup. Here, Isaac is willing to directly disobey God's commands for a meat pie. I want what feels good now. And I'm willing to ignore the will of God and the consequences. I wonder if there are any areas of your life where that's a temptation for you to, to focus on what feels good now, to disobey God for the sake of a momentary pleasure. We thought about this a couple of weeks ago. What is that momentary temptation, that momentary pleasure for which you're tempted to disobey uh, the words of God? This passage would be saying to us, don't welcome sin into your life by focusing on what feels good now. I think also, just a second, secondarily on, on Isaac, before we move on, just a note to fathers. Do you notice how passive Isaac is here? Isaac should have been leading his family, uniting them around the promises of God, stepping up, stepping forward. But he's so passive. He's just controlled by whatever feels good. He's a bit of a loser in that regard. And yeah, that can be so tempting as a father, can't it? You've had a long, hard week, or as a parent generally, you've had a long, hard week. Temptation just to focus on whatever feels good and not to lead. Well, 
Don't be that father. I think this would say to us. Isaac uh, focuses on what feels good. That's how he kind of welcomes sin into his life. Rebecca then. Rebecca, well, she thinks, she welcomes in sin by thinking sin's okay so long as it's for a good cause. Have a look down at verse 6 with me. Rebecca said to her son, Jacob, look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you the blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so that I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. See, Rebecca overhears this conversation. Notice that it's a pretty dysfunctional family. She's not involved in the conversation. She's overhearing it. Um, and she, I have some sympathy for her here. She, she overhears that her, her idiot husband is about to directly disobey God. But instead of talking to her husband, instead of reminding him of the kind of promises that God has made, what does she do? Well, she hatches this plot, she schemes, she manipulates, she tries to control the situation. And if you look at verses 15 to 17, uh, then Rebecca took the best clothes of her elder son Esau, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son Jacob. She also covered his hands with the smooth part uh, and the smooth part of his neck with goatskins. Then she handed to her son uh, Jacob the tasty food and the bread she had made. She, she, she's, she's, on purpose trying to manipulate her blind husband. She gives um, things that will cover Jacob's smell and his touch and then the taste of the food. So she's directly trying to manipulate her husband's blindness, his weaknesses. She's, she's aiming at something good then. She wants the blessing to go where it should to Jacob. She's aiming at a good spiritual end, but she is using sinful means to reach that end and again i think i don't know about you but for me as a christian i think i do that all the time i excuse my sin because i tell myself it's for a good cause i wonder if you ever tempted to do that it might seem very innocent you imagine the person who who wants their friend to come along to church uh, and their friend has an issue with something the Bible teaches, maybe about judgment or something, and they ask the Christian about it. And the Christian knows, if I just lie about that detail, my friend might come to church. And so they justify a sinful, uh, a sinful means with a spiritual goal, a spiritual end. How easy it is to do that. You imagine the business person who tells himself, well, I know that God likes it when we give, um, give our money away. If I make this kind of sketchy business deal, I'll have more money to give away. It must be fine. Or you imagine the stressed Christian who thinks, I know God doesn't want me to be stressed. If I give in to this temptation, I might feel less stressed. It must be fine. To justify sinful means with a spiritual end. But the thing is, God's plan never needs our sin. Don't, don't make Rebecca's mistake here. Don't welcome sin into your life by thinking it's okay if it's in a good cause. Jacob then. What's Jacob's mistake? Jacob's mistake is that he welcomes in sin by thinking it's okay so long as I don't get caught. 
So when Jacob's uh, mum comes to him with this plan, look at what he's worried about in verse 11. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, but my brother Esau is a hairy man while I have smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. Got to love verse 12, where Jacob says there, I would appear to be deceiving him. No, no, no. You would be deceiving him. That's what that would be, deceiving him. But do you notice what he cares about there? He doesn't care about the fact that this would be wrong. He cares about the fact that he might get caught. He's 40 years old here. He should be saying to his mum, mum, we shouldn't be doing this. But he doesn't. He doesn't care about the sin. All he cares about is getting caught. And so if you look in verse 19, he lies to his father's face. Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. And then uh, in verse 20, he even uses God's name. Isaac asked his son, how did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God gave me success, he replied. His blind, vulnerable father is relying on these other senses. And Jacob, uh, in line with his mother's plan, ruthlessly manipulates them, lying to his face. He doesn't care about the sin. All he cares about is whether or not he gets caught. If I don't get caught, it doesn't matter. So long as no one knows, it's fine. I wonder, do you ever do that? Do you ever find yourself thinking that about sin? Maybe some secret habit. And you find yourself thinking, so long as no one knows about it, it's fine. There won't be a cost. But there is a cost. Sin, sin always has consequences. We might not be able to anticipate them, but disobeying God, it does damage us. So we're just going to look at the consequences they, they each face now. We'll take each character in turn. So we'll start with Isaac. Have a look at, uh, uh, so we'll skip down to verse 30 after he's given the blessing to Jacob. Verse 30, after Isaac had finished blessing him and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. Esau bursts into the tent, says, dad, here I am, bless me now. When his father figures out what's going on, verse 33, Isaac trembled violently and said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before he came in and blessed him. And indeed, he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me, me too, my father. See, as Isaac realizes what's happened, verse 33, he trembles violently. I think in that moment where he's shaking, I think that he realizes not just that he's been deceived, but that his attempt to disobey God hasn't worked. Even as he tried to disobey God, in that very act of trying to bless Esau, he's blessed Jacob. He's ended up doing exactly what God wanted. And as he realizes that, he upholds this blessing to Jacob, and he ends up giving Esau this sort of anti-blessing. Uh, that you can read about in verses 39 and onwards. So that the, the son that he sought to bless, to disobey God by blessing, Esau, ends up weeping at his feet. See, trying to disobey God, it has not paid off for Isaac. 
his failure to, to lead his family, his kind of passive pursuit of what feels good, contributes to their ruin. By the end of this story, they are ripped apart. And one person once said, uh, like ripples on a tranquil pond that reach the furthest shore, our sins affect those close to us and many, many more. So for Isaac there, he comes to realize that disobeying God does damage. What about Rebecca? Well, Rebecca, she actually gets what she wants. The blessing does go to her precious son, Jacob. But then look at what happens. Look at verse 41 with me. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessings his father had given him. He said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. When Rebekah was told what her elder son Esau had said, she sent for her younger son Jacob and said to him, your brother Esau is planning to avenge himself by killing you. Now then, my son, do what I say. Flee at once to my brother Laban in Haran. Stay with him for a while until your brother's fury subsides. Esau's furious. He's going to kill Jacob. So Rebekah has to send him off. And she says, stay there for a while. Do you know how long he ends up staying there? He ends up staying there for 20 years. Rebecca will never see her precious son again. She's got what she's wanted. The blessing has gone to him, but she'll never see him again. And she's left at home with a husband that she's just deceived, a son who must hate her and never see this precious boy of hers again. Disobeying God does damage. What about Jacob? Well, likewise, Jacob receives this blessing. He does get the blessing that he longed for. But by the end of the story, he's, he's booted out of the home on the run, and he has nothing, nothing but the clothes on his back. It's going to be many, many years uh, until he gets to enjoy that blessing. So the message is clear, really, for Isaac, for Rebecca, and for Jacob. The message is clear. Sin doesn't pay. Even when it gives you what you want, like Rebecca and Jacob, even when they get what they want, it's not worth it. Disobeying God does damage them. So whatever temptation we're facing, whatever rationalization we might be dreaming up, it's not worth it. Now, I do need to kind of pause for a moment just to point out that uh, this, this, this family's sin doesn't stop God's plan. Their sin doesn't stop God's plan. So even in that moment, right, as Isaac is trying to disobey God, and, 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 he, and he does all those tests, he, 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 he tests the smell, and he tests the feel, and he tests the taste to try and make sure that he's disobeying God. Even in that very act of sinning and trying to bless Esau, who does he bless? Jacob. In that very act, he ends up doing what God had wanted all along. His sin couldn't derail God's plan. Likewise, for Jacob, Jacob's sin, his, his rampant flaws here, they don't derail God's plan for his life. They're not bigger than God's mercy over him. At this point, God doesn't just say, right, I've had enough. You're done. I'll find someone else. God's love does, does hold on to him. Here, his sin doesn't stop God's plan for his life. It kind of reminds me a bit of satnavs. 
You know, sat-nav um, in the car, it'll tell you, uh, okay, left turn in a mile's time, left turn in a uh, hundred meters time, left turn approaching, turn left now, and you don't do it, you keep going. What, is, what does the sat-nav say? It doesn't say, that's it, get out, you're done, I've had enough of you. And what does the sat-nav do? Well, it recalculates, and then it shows you another way around. It's as if it's saying, I'll get you there. It might take longer now. It might be more difficult now, but I'll get you there. I think that's how we see God tra- treating Jacob in these chapters. Yes, his sin causes all sorts of damage. But it's as if God says, I'll get you there. It's going to take longer. It's going to be more difficult, but I will get you there. I think the same thing is true for anyone who puts their trust in the Lord Jesus. Our sin cannot derail God's plan for our lives. I will get you there, he says to us. It may take longer, maybe more painful now, but I will get you there. I hope that's a comfort to you. And if you're tuning into this and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, can I just ask, does that sound good to you? To have a love like that, a love which never lets you go, a love which even your deepest, most rampant flaws, flaws which can tear apart your family, a love which which, which, which even that cannot derail. That is what's offered to everyone in the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope that's a comfort to you. Um, But for those of us, uh, but but, but, sorry, the thrust of this story, though, it's not aimed at comforting us. The thrust of this story, I think, is here to warn us that disobeying God does damage us. So as we look at this, this devastated family, we should hear that warning that sin always has consequences. It is not worth it. So can I just ask you to think for a moment, in what area of your life are you being tempted? In what area of your life are you tempted to welcome sin in? In what area is sin whispering to you, it's fine, it won't hurt, God will forgive you anyway, it's fine, it's for a good cause. Don't believe those lies. See, Genesis 28 comes to us like that zookeeper at the beginning to warn us. Don't be like that lady. Don't think not me. It's fine for me. Is there something that you need to repent of? Why not take the confession in a few moments time as an opportunity to do that? Let me finish with a prayer. Father God, as we read uh, these characters and see our own flaws reflected back to us, that is not comfortable. But we ask that in your mercy, we might not react like that woman at the beginning. We ask that we might uh, heed the warning and run from sin, run from the lies of sin. Amen.